What's going on, everyone? Welcome to WFS, the Will Ford Show. This is episode 145, and it's coming about a month and a half too late. Uh, We're almost midway through the NFL season. I've missed a lot. I got all my record predictions out there. Before the season started for each NFL division minus the NFC East because of my conflict of interest. But I got all the record predictions out there as well as my playoff pictures for the end of the season. And I haven't touched it since. I uh, It's been really a pretty hectic you know, last couple of months with school starting back up. Time seems almost non-existent for me. Uh, I I feel like I hardly have time to breathe sometimes. Uh, just you know, trying to stay on top of my classes. Uh, but then I work for the radio station, storied rivals, ziplining at the wilds on weekends. A lot of my time gets devoted uh, to those things, and so I I don't really always have all that often or all that much time really to sit down and dedicate two hours to a podcast and I understand that that's really hard to it's so hard to build a brand build any kind of following when you're as inconsistent as I've been over the last four years Uh, it seems like I'm on for a couple months and then you know I'm on for three or four months off for one or two and that's just not a good way to uh to build any kind of following. And I, you know, I love doing this. I love sitting down and talking about sports. I do it all the time on my radio show. And so that's kind of been my fix, but that's not this. That is a part of WMCO. That's content for them. This is content for me, and I am not creating anything for myself. I haven't been for the last couple of months. On the bright side, I will be graduated after this semester. And I plan to really just take a little bit of time to myself, take some time off. I'm going to really focus, uh, put a lot of my energy on the, on this podcast and this podcast and get back doing, get, get back to doing what I, I love doing. I, I love doing this. I love talking to you. I love talking about sports. And it's just something that I haven't been able to consistently do really since the start. And a lot of that's on me. A lot of it is I haven't made the time to do it. But a lot of it is it's just, like, it's just life too at the same time. Uh, but at the end of November, beginning of December, you know, after exams are done and I officially ride off into the sunset, I guess my time is going to this right here. But I guess right now we're going to do a middle of the NFL season check-in. And just talk about some things in the NFL that's been going on. Uh, Ford Food Chain, top 10 teams in the NFL almost midway through the year. Hopefully it's not the the la- the first and last time I do this this season. So here we go, NFL midseason check-in. And, you know, something that's, that's really interesting, really over the last couple of years, uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, there's been a big hype train surrounding the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and they've built this incredible roster, the offensive line. It's the best in football, and even their backups could be starters on a lot of teams. They have a very 
strong offensive line with depth. Uh, so really they can just plug it. If someone's hurt, you just plug someone in. It's still the best offensive line in the game. Best offensive line. You have the best running back tandem in football in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It really doesn't get better than that. Baker Mayfield, of course, has got a lot of flair, a lot of moxie, uh, and a little limited. Uh, we're going to talk about Baker a little bit more extensively here, but Baker is an all right quarterback. And then the defense. I mean, you've just spent so much money on the defense over the last year or two. And, you know, bringing in guys from the Rams, drafting extremely well. Jeremiah Usu Karamoa, Koromoa, Karamoa. I think it's Koromoa, whatever it is. Got him in the second round. You signed Jadavion Clowney on a one year deal. Of course, you got Miles Garrett locked up. Like it's just such a really talented defense. Denzel Ward, like a, a good secondary too. Signed some players from the Rams. It, it, there's a lot of money on that defense. There's a lot of money on that offensive line. A lot of money at running back. And then you know, at wide receiver, you have Odell Beckham Jr., who's extremely talented. Coming off that ACL injury, Jarvis Landry. You got good tight ends. Like this roster, top to bottom, really when healthy. You could argue is the most talented roster in the league. However, I think what sets the Browns back is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield right now is currently injured. He's got an injured shoulder. It's like I don't know what it is. It's like a torn labrum, but also like a dislocation or a fracture or something like that in his in his shoulder. So obviously didn't play against the Denver Broncos last Thursday. I don't think he's gonna be playing again. You know, this coming Sunday, we'll see. But the interesting thing about Baker Mayfield is that his contract is going to be up here soon. So the Browns have got to decide what they want to do with Baker Mayfield. Do you do you want to pay him money that would, you know, put him up near the upper echelon of quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson type money? I'm not saying those are the four best quarterbacks in the league, but that kind of money, do you want to pay him 35 to $40 million a year? And in Patrick Mahomes' case, you know he's going to be making $50 million a year. Baker Mayfield, I, is just honestly, he's not a $35 million quarterback, and I would argue not even a $30 million quarterback. I, I would pay Baker Mayfield anywhere between 20 and $25 million, and I know that that's not what he wants. I know that's not what he thinks he's worth. Of course, the Browns made the playoffs last year. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were extremely close to beating the Chiefs in the divisional round. Like, I get it. Baker Mayfield deserves some kind of credit for that. But he's just so limited. And I thought the, the game earlier in the season, Browns versus Chargers, was extremely telling. It was a very high scoring game. But late in that game, head coach Kevin Stefanski took the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. It was like a third and, and, and ten late in the game, and you run the football on a draw. Now, that could have been a check at the line of scrimmage. Baker might have saw something, made an audible, handed it off. Nonetheless, though, a third and ten, that's a throwing situation. And if you're an elite quarterback, that ball is going to be in your hands. You're not going to check to a run. And you're gonna you're gonna throw it. Justin Herbert was going for it on on fourth and seven. 
the Chargers coaching staff, you know, Brandon Staley, they they trust Justin Herbert. He's got a rocket arm, extremely accurate, great footwork, poised, makes all the right decisions, very rarely ever puts the ball in harm's way. Baker Mayfield, though, doesn't have an elite arm. His accuracy is spotty. He's inconsistent. He's not mobile. He is not a threat to take off with the football at all. So you can't move the pocket around for him or anything like that. Baker is really limited. He's I would call him, I know he drew a lot of comparisons to Drew Brees. I would say he's a very poor man's Drew Brees. Very poor man's Drew Brees. Uh, just extremely limited, in my opinion. But the great thing about the Browns' roster is that it's good enough to carry Baker Mayfield along. It reminds me of Peyton Manning at the end of his career with the Denver Broncos. The body was breaking down. The arm wasn't as strong, wasn't as accurate. Had some injuries, but the Brown or but the Broncos' defense, rather, their defense was the best in the league. Good skill positions, good offensive line. They were able to really carry Peyton along for the ride. This Browns roster, I think, is good enough to do that. When it's healthy, you can you can bring Baker Mayfield along to an AFC championship. You can probably even get to a Super Bowl. But the problem is you're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield at one point or another. Are you going to pay him $35 million and pay him with one of the with money that would you know put him in the top 5 or 6 in terms of salary among quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't think you can. You know, Case Keenum started for the Browns against the Broncos, played well. Case Keenum is kind of one of the, he's just one of those journeyman, like steady guys, knows his role, plays well. And you saw it when he was in Minnesota a handful of years ago. Case Keenum took the Vikings to the NFC Championship. He had a great roster around him. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are two of, I think, the the best 15 receivers in football, even still today, and they were then. You have Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook, great defense. Like, that, just uh, top to bottom, a really good roster. And Case Keenum was good enough to bring along to get to the NFC Championship. I think the Browns roster, with Case Keenum, could make the playoffs. You make the playoffs could even get to an AFC championship. I, and I, it's not that, you know, Case Keenum is that good. I think it's the roster is that good. And I'm not sitting here saying Case Keenum is better than Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is better. Not by much, but he's better. When you pay Baker Mayfield all this money, it's not figuring out whether or not he's worth that money it's realizing what you're going to have to shed in order to keep him under center. That offensive line, you're probably going to have to lose a piece or two. On defense, that all that money that you just spent on defense, you know, Jadavion Clowney, probably going to have to go out the door after this year. Probably going to have to trade some guys away, cut some guys. Odell Beckham Jr., I think you're going to have to shed. Now, I, I don't think he is a fit anyways with Baker Mayfield. That's a different discussion for another episode, another day. But you're going to have to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. You're going to have to get rid of one of your tight ends. And you're sure as heck going to have to get rid of Kareem Hunt. 
Nick Chubb, I think you keep. You've already signed him, but you get to get you, you get rid of Kareem Hunt. So if you pay Baker Mayfield $35, $40 million, you're gonna have to shed a lot of weight elsewhere to make up that difference. You know, it's not like the MLB. It's not like there's no salary cap. There's a hard cap in the NFL. If you're going to pay Baker Mayfield that money, which I don't think he's worth, you're going to have to shed weight in other areas to make it work. And as a result, the Browns will be a worse team. The other interesting dynamic of this, though, is if, if you decide you want to move off of Baker Mayfield and not pay him, you know, you let him walk or maybe you, do a, you, you sign him and then trade him or something like that. The problem is the Browns have been so historically bad at drafting quarterbacks. Do you want to go back to the drawing board? Do you want to go back to that well? I'm not really sure if you do. Now, granted, the Browns organization is much better off now, you know, front office-wise than it was, you know, five, ten years ago. But do you really want to take a chance? I mean, quarterback is the hardest position to get right. You know, everyone thought Ryan Leaf was going to be the greatest quarterback prospect ever. And he was highly considered that coming out of college, and he busted. Jimmy Clausen, Mel Kuyper was extremely high on. Busted. So hard to get right. And if you're going to send the Browns back to the drawing board, they could be in another, you know, five or ten year pit of misery. So do you pay Baker Mayfield $35 million and sacrifice a great roster and just be kind of mediocre? Do you somehow convince him to take less to keep that roster intact, or do you start over? I think you got uh, you got to try to find a way to give him less money, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so if I and considering that Case Keenum I think can get you to the playoffs, I would probably let Baker Mayfield walk. You have Case Keenum for a year, or you bring in some other journeyman quarterback that can play well, knows his role. Maybe that's what you do. And and, and it's not that I, I don't like Baker Mayfield as a talent. Like I think he's a, a good quarterback. But I don't think he's good enough on his own. I think he needs a roster around him that is better, that collectively the whole is better than him. It's not like in Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers is better than the whole. It's the inverse in Cleveland. So if you're Cleveland, you got to figure out what you want to do. Finally, though, to close the show, the Ford Food Chain, top 10 NFL teams, this is after seven weeks of the NFL season, so getting close to the midway point, here we go. So number 10, I'm going to put the Baltimore Ravens right here. A couple weeks ago, had I done an episode, I would have had the Baltimore Ravens probably in the top five, but they're number 10 right now simply because I feel like they're playing down to teams a little bit, especially in the first half of games. So they were really outplayed by the Detroit Lions for the majority of the game and only won because Justin Tucker is a god and has the most accurate cannon for a leg I've ever seen, making a 66-yard field goal off the crossbar. Really, 
that's the difference in the like if he misses that you lost to the lions they also got outplayed by the colts for the majority of the game they played against indianapolis carson wentz was was playing really great football and the ravens were able to come back and win that game which has been the knock on lamar really his whole career is that he can't play from behind he is very much squashed that I think he's got three or four comeback wins in his last uh, 10 games or something like that. Like, let's squash that narrative. He can come back from behind. But the thing that worries me uh, about the Baltimore Ravens, they're too reliant on Lamar Jackson to do everything for them offensively. He's very much improved as a thrower. He's extremely electric with his legs, can do it all, but... The run game other than him, I mean, really, it's it's a committee approach. You have three former Pro Bowlers in Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray. But they're all old and washed up and not in their prime anymore. And you can't really get good, consistent running back production out of them. The defense, especially the secondary, is atrocious. They can't stop a nosebleed in the secondary. And so their ability to not be able to defend the pass that well combined with this offense is too Lamar-centric. They're good. They're going to win some games. I don't know if they're going to win the division. And there might be a surprise team that might win the division this year. And it's the team that beat them last week. They're number nine on the Ford food chain, the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you want me to say? I, I I was extremely wrong about the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to shout out to Dave Hilliard, my buddy from Storied Rivals, and uh, he's a big Bengals fan. He called me out. He says you, uh, I got to talk to you about your Bengals prediction, man. I, I think I predict, predicted what uh, three or four wins for the Bengals this year, and uh, they're they're playing extremely well. Really should have beat the Green Bay Packers uh, if there weren't for five missed field goals in the last like two minutes in overtime. Uh, and the Bengals would probably be higher on this list. They would probably be you know around seven or six. Joe Burrow, I think, is a, a budding star right now, playing extremely well coming off that injury. We didn't really know how he was going to perform. Jamar Chase was a home run at wide receiver. And in the moment, I would have preferred them go with an offensive lineman like Rashawn Slater. You didn't do it. Um, And you got Chase. Chase, I think, is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He's a stud. Clearly has a great connection with Joe Burrow because they played together in college. But the offensive line, though, still a concern. You got to protect Joe Burrow. They made some decent signings in the offseason, drafted someone in the second round. The defense is all right, but offensively, they've just got to keep Joe Burrow upright in the the pocket. I think their season is very much going to depend upon the play of their offensive line. Number eight, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, they, they... didn't fire John Gruden, he resigned, but basically he was fired. You can just say he was fired. Gruden, since he's left, the Raiders have been better. And Derek Carr especially. Derek Carr, 
is playing like MVP Derek Carr from a couple years ago before he was it, like broke his leg or, or something like that. They have a running game. Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs are really good. The offensive line, a lot of holes up there, but you know they're making it work for those running backs. And I mean, just Derek Carr is just playing lights out right now. I don't know if it was something with John Gruden or, you know, just the way he commanded the locker room or if it was the game plan, the scheming, or, or what it was. But Raiders are playing better. They're winning games. It's hard to not put a team in the top 10 if they're winning games. It really doesn't matter how you're getting them done as long as you, as long as you have a W in the win column. That's all that matters. Raiders at 8. Number 7 is the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. We, we know what kind of dude he is. There's not much to say about Aaron Rodgers. Their offensive line is getting healthier. You're getting David Bakhtiari back after that ACL injury, or it might have been Achilles, but a lower body injury that was pretty significant. He's coming back, and that's a huge help because that offensive line got depleted in the offseason. The issue, though, is that their offense is too reliant on Devontae Adams as their number one wide receiver. Uh, They don't have a clear-cut number two. They brought back Randall Cobb, who has been nice but inconsistent. And I I couldn't tell you who their number two wide receiver is, really, other than Cobb. Um, It's too dependent on Devontae Adams. Uh, They need him to be great every week. And he's not going to be great this week because he's not going to be playing. He's out on the COVID protocols, so he could be out this week. Maybe even next week. They play tomorrow, Thursday night football against the Arizona Cardinals. Had the Packers had Adams, I would have picked the Packers to win. But with the Cardinals defense as good as it is, I, I think they're they're going to be good against Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense. No Devontae Adams makes this team much easier to defend. But I have the Packers at seven. They need to find a legitimate number two. Big plus, though, is that the offensive line is getting better. Number six is the Tennessee Titans. I mean, beat the Buffalo Bills. Really good win. Now, you probably would have lost that game had Josh Allen not kind of lost his footing on that fourth down quarterback sneak. But listen, you won the game, so I can't take anything away. You beat the Chiefs the following week and only hold them to a field goal, and Tennessee's defense is not anything to write home about. Their defense is not good at all, especially in the secondary. Somehow managed to not allow the Chiefs to score a touchdown. Only managed three points. I think they won 27-3 to or something like that. Titans, I mean, listen, they play extremely downhill, especially in that run offense. Derrick Henry is the best back in the league. How he continues to produce the numbers that he is, is producing – under that kind of volume over the last three or four years is incredible. Derrick Henry will punish you. You know, the Titans will destroy you in time of possession if you let them. They held the Chiefs, one of the best offenses in the league, to just three points. That's got to count for something. I got to put the Titans at six. Five, I think, is the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have it going on right now. It's the best quarterback receiver duo in the league at the moment. Cooper Cup is lighting the world on fire. 
he's playing like he's Jerry Rice out there. Um, it seems like he has 10 catches a week, over 100 yards every week, at least two touchdowns every week. Like, that's just what it feels like. And Cup honestly might win, like, offensive player of the year in, in the NFC. So it their offense is humming. They no longer really have a weakness at running back anymore. Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle have really picked up the slack after they lost Cam Akers. They've figured out their roles. The defense obviously is really good. Jalen Ramsey, one of the two or three best cover corners in the league. They did just trade Kenny Young to the Denver Broncos. I actually think that's a bigger loss than people believe. Started all seven games this season, was second on the team in tackles. Not hardly paying him anything. So you lose that in the middle of the field. That offense is just so good. Matt Stafford might have a a case for MVP at the end of the year. I have them at five. Number four, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Their offense with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, you know, Zeke seems to be back. Uh, their, Their duo in the backfield of Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, I think, is second to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have uh, uh, Zeke is kind of the the power back who's obviously very fast, but then Pollard is this change of pace, extreme burst out of the backfield. They pair together really nicely. Dak has seemingly not even missed a beat after missing eleven months of football. He is hung tough in the pocket on every throw. He's absorbed hits. He's not afraid of it. He's playing really well. He's going to win comeback player of the year this year. I don't think there's any question in my mind. And the defense, which has been fairly maligned for the last decade, it seems like, is playing one like one of the best defenses in the league. They're top five in takeaways. Trayvon Diggs has more interceptions than like 25 other teams or whatever it is. He's got seven picks through seven games. Trayvon Diggs is looking like defensive player of the year right now. Uh, He is just on a tear. And, you know, if he didn't get another interception, if he was just steady the rest of the year, he would probably still win defensive player of the year. That's how good he's been through the first seven games. And the thing about the Dallas Cowboys is they've always been a great drafting team. And, uh, They've hit on four draft picks over the last couple of years. CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver who, you know, they obviously he was high on their draft board, but they had they did not even think he was going to be close to them when their pick came up. Trayvon Diggs is obviously another pick that they hit on in the second round. Osa Digizua looks really, really good at UCLA at defensive tackle. And then, of course, Micah Parsons, who I don't think the Cowboys wanted in this past year's draft, this summer's draft. They wanted a corner. Both the top corners got taken beforehand, and they drafted Parsons. They were able to cut ties with Jalen Smith to free up some money for the future. So you have Parsons and Leighton Vanderesh, and then you also have Keanu Neal, Jabril Cox, who you drafted you know, in the fourth round. Really good collection of linebackers. But the great thing about the Cowboys' defense, too, is and really their roster as a whole, is they're going to be getting guys back. So Michael Gallup is going to be coming back soon after that strained calf. You're going to have Lyle Collins back on the offensive line at right tackle, and then you can you can have a much better offensive line. And it's already playing extremely well, but you get Collins back, who's one of the best right tackles in football. 
Demarcus Lawrence has been out ever since week one, broken foot. He's coming back soon. So the defense is going to get better, and so is the offense, and that's crazy to think about. And the Cowboys could have two 1,000-yard rushers in Pollard and Zeke, 2,000-yard wide receivers in C.D. and Amari Cooper. Never been done before in NFL history. Could happen. Got to keep playing well. They're on the bye right now. Really helps in getting some guys back healthy. Cowboys are at number four. Number three, the Buffalo Bills, who are top two on both scoring offense and scoring defense. Josh Allen was my MVP coming into the year. Certainly playing like it. And and the thing about their offense, which is really unique, they obviously don't have much of a run game right now. They don't have a star at running back, and their offensive line is okay at best. But they're winning without Stefan Diggs being amazing. Dawson Knox has really come on at tight end. Cole Beasley's the best slot receiver in football, one of the better route runners in the league as well. You have Emmanuel Sanders, like a, just a veteran wide receiver core, and you don't need Stefan Diggs to be amazing. Uh, you don't need to target him 12, 14, 16 times a game. You can target him six to eight times. He can have a couple catches. He can be good. You don't need him to be great. And the defense is just extremely good situationally. Like I said, top two in scoring defense. What more can you ask? The Bills, I think, are the favorites in the AFC. And they're at number three. Number two is the 6-1 and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the NFL is changing in terms of what you want your quarterback to look like, a franchise quarterback. You want big, tall, mobile, fast, accurate, good arm. And Tom Brady only checks about half of those boxes. He's got a a good arm for 44 years old. He's accurate, but he cannot move. He's not fast. He's not mobile. He's got good pocket presence, but he's not mobile. And... Tom Brady, there is no comparison to him because even though he's your traditional pocket passer, he is the best quarterback at the line of scrimmage we have ever seen in football. He has seen it all in 21 years. He know exact he knows exactly what defenses are doing. He calls it out. It, it's it's unbelievable, really, that he's still doing this at age 44. There's no end in sight. They have the best weapons in the league with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Gronk, Cameron Brait, good offensive line. The front seven of the defense is really good. You can't run the football on them. The only weak part is their secondary, and that's largely in part because of the injuries that they've suffered on the back end at corner, safety. You know they, They've suffered a lot of injuries. They signed Richard Sherman to kind of help with that, and he got hurt in the first game he played. So like it you can't predict that stuff. That's not an indictment on the Buccaneers. That's just football. But once they get some of their guys back healthy in the secondary, they're going to be a much better team than they already are. I've got them at number two. And the only reason I have them at number two is because there's an undefeated team still in the league, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals defense is only allowing about 14 points a game. Steve Kime, the general manager, did a good job building that defense, bringing in J.J. Watt, who's not only a leader and a veteran presence, but still has some juice in the tank. On offense, they've put in so many pieces around Kyler Murray. They brought in A.J. Green, who's a veteran presence at wide receiver, drafted Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, really good wide receivers. 
They traded for Zach Ertz, who was a little bit older, a little injury-prone, still a veteran presence and, and pretty solid. Chase Edmonds and James Conner are a good duo at running back. And then, you know, like I said, the defense is ex- is playing extremely well. And the thing about Kyler Murray is that the first couple of years of his career, we just thought of him as extremely flashy, dynamic, and capable of making some really big plays. And while all of that is still true, he it, it, it seemed like that's all he was capable of was just the flashy plays. But now he has become extremely efficient. He's one of the leaders in the league in completion percentage, so he's completing his throws, but he can get the short little plays, the short intermediate routes, but he can make the big plays. He can still run it. Kyler Murray, I think last year, you know, was an MVP candidate before the Cardinals season kind of nosedive a little bit. Cardinals at 7-0, and I think right now he's probably the front runner for MVP. I also said Matt Stafford, you know, could be in there as well. But right now, I think it's Kyler Murray. This Cardinals team, it's the best in the league right now. Bucks are a very close second. That would be a great NFC championship right there. And I think the Cardinals beat the Packers on Thursday night. Had Devontae Adams been playing for Green Bay, I, I think it would have been a much better game. I probably would have given the nod to the Packers. But for the Cardinals, the sign of a good team is when you can not play at your best and still win football games. Ravens 10, Bengals 9, Raiders 8, Packers 7, Titans 6, Rams 5, Cowboys 4, uh, Bills 3, Bucks 2, Cardinals number 1. That'll do it for episode 4145, uh, not 45, 145 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Thanks so much for sticking with me. I know I, I've sucked over the last four years, but school's almost over. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.